Welcome to episode 95 from The Shed End. Theo, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. I think Joey just said that we're a bank holiday weekend is needed. Um, three days to kind of recover from the shocking results that we've had in Manchester over the last seven days or so. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to this, sen- uh, this season wrapping up on Sunday and enjoying uh, three days um, after a busy work week as well. Um, but yeah, not bad. Thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. Um yeah, as, as strange as it sounds, I can't wait for Sunday, which normally it's because we're in we've got the FA Cup final to look forward to, but I just, I think this has been one of the most exhausting seasons as a Chelsea fan that I can remember for many, many years. You know, this surpasses the the, the Conte season. Um, it, this is this is really down there with bottom of the barrel stuff. So, um, yeah, looking forward to the end of the season. Obviously, there's a lot of games to cover. Um and try and keep an eye on with relegation battles and, and all the rest of it across across the, the footballing world. But apart from that, I'm good. Hey, fever's kicked in again. So you've seen, it was you last week, it's me again. This week, really bad today, like to the point where I want to scratch my eyeballs out. But um, before we get into today's episode, please subscribe to the channel, the YouTube channel. Please go and hit the notification bell on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and also hit the link tree uh, link in the description as well. That will take you to all our social accounts anyway and also our previous episodes. So make sure you do all of that before you start watching or stop listening to this episode. But let's go straight into it because as you can see, title is The Madness in Manchester. Um, two games in Manchester, one goal. Um, which we'll talk about in a bit, but I want to talk about United game, uh, the City game. Sorry, first um, last weekend, a game that obviously meant nothing to, to Manchester City. They obviously won the league before they they played us, and we obviously knew that we weren't going to be impacting their hopes of. of uh, well, I mean, we did obviously um, have to give them a guard of honour. But talk to me about the, the City game because going into it, we kind of realised and knew that we weren't going to get much out of it. But what was your thoughts on the game, on the lineup, on the performance? I thought it was one of the most boring games of football I've watched in my life, if I'm honest. It had that. We, we said last week um, that we almost need to embed these three last final games in the City, the United and the Newcastle one, almost part of our pre-season to get these players, you know, hitting the ground running in time for August. But I didn't expect them to kind of play like it was some kind of testimonial game at the Etihad. It felt like there was no kind of fight or desire from either side. Um City were obviously very content just um, playing their football, knowing that they were going to lift the Premier League um, trophy at full time. And Chelsea, it felt like they were just kind of in there to make sure that, you know, it wasn't going to be an embarrassing result for us. Mm. But we lost the game on what was very thin margins, I felt. A poor Wesley Fofana pass, uh, which was intercepted. And then that led to the Julian Alvarez goal. Um, That being said, I thought we had a couple chances. We did have a couple chances. Gallagher hitting the post. I think Ortega made a good save from Sterling um, in the first half. Um, I'm trying to remember how the game planned out now. But yeah, there were a couple of chances for Chelsea. So at times we were unlucky. But that being said, that's been a story of our season, just not being clinical enough in front of goal, missing sitters, not taking our chances. Um, so yeah, very frustrating um, Sunday afternoon at the Etihad. Um, it would have been good to get a result because not only have we not beaten City since the Champions League final, but we haven't scored a single goal against City since the Champions League final, which was now May 2021, exactly almost two years ago to the day on the 29th of May. So um, so it's been, it's been embarrassing um, kind of our performances against City um, this season, four games against them. Uh, I think it's been eight goals conceded in those four games and zero scored. 
So it's not been good enough. And that was a very rotated City side as well. The likes of Calvin Phillips, Cole Palmer. I think you've said it perfectly in your kind of your, your kind of assessment of Aspilicueta this season. Um, Cole Palmer had Aspilicueta on toast. You know, it was a not, it wasn't a good matchup at all. Um, but yeah frustrating um afternoon i was expecting him a bit a bit better but like i said we lost the game on the finish the margins yeah um good assessment i think that kind of sums it up really i think you know you looked at the city squad you know you mentioned just some of the names there you know sergio gomez as well uh cole palmer rico lewis calvin phillips who you know has been a, a shadow of the play that he was at leeds united coming into the team you do sense that there was opportunity to take something away from that game just with the number of changes and people will say that you know Pep can put out a second team and it's still a very quality team and we know that we played them in the League Cup and, and in the FA Cup this season um, but it, I just, it just screams to me that and we, we, we always zone in on, on the players a lot and you know I know a lot of people done that yesterday and rightfully so as well but you have to think about some of the tactics what's going on because we went back to a back five for City we went to a back four yesterday it, a lot of swapping and changing there's no consistency with the with the lineups which we've we've spoken about even before Lampard, probably going back to Graham Potter as well. Um but Aspilicueta at right wing back against Cole Palmer was always going to be a disaster. I mean he's a very talented player. Um and obviously Aspilicueta's coming to the end of his his time. Um it's more than likely in England anyway. Um Lewis Hall, I thought, was probably the standout player in in both you know, uh, the Manchester games, more so yesterday. But even in the city game, you know, I think he, I think he was the one who put the crossing for for Conor Gallagher when he hit the post as well. He was always looking to get forward, you know, on the counter on the left side as well. And I just think he's someone that we have to wrap in cotton wool, but also utilize a lot more next season because there's there's a lot of qualities in in Lewis Hall that I like about a left back or a left wing back um, going forwards. But I thought I thought for the goal, I thought for the goal. I mean, we we kind of. It was just too easy. I mean, we just—it was just. I think it was Silver that was probably the one that potentially could have closed down Alvarez for the for the goal. But it's just so easy. I mean, we gave him acres of space, time on the ball, time to to pick which corner he's going to put the ball in. And you know, when you go one one nil down against Man City, it's an uphill struggle, an absolute up, uphill struggle to get back into the game. And um, it, it was just yeah, it was just a difficult game to go into and. and you know, as as expected, dominating possession. You know, I think they had sixty five percent possession of the ball, um, but we had chances. I mean, we have to remember, like you said, I think Raheem Sterling had a really good chance. I think Kai Havertz, again, I think from maybe Lewis Hall's ball into the box, but he just didn't execute the header. He, he almost looked down before the ball was coming towards him, so he didn't know where to put the ball. So we had our chances, and I think on another day, I would have expected us to potentially try and get a point out of that game, but it was just it was just more of the same. It was poor. Poor from us, but um, let's move over to last night's game because I feel that was even worse in terms of the performance, in terms of the lineup, in terms of the changes that were made with putting <laughs> Trevor Chalabar, who has been filling in at right back, back into a centre back position. Um, with Wesley Fofana, you lose that experience with Silver on the bench. I think Koulibaly was on the bench as well, so you've got two experienced centre backs, and then bringing Aspie back into it, where again I would have rested him. You know, he went down a few times. Looked like he was he was injured, but I thought if he if he's injured, he you know he doesn't want to miss that last game on Sunday. So and maybe the same for Thiago Silva, um, which I spoke to you about last night on WhatsApp. But just in terms of the game itself, um, I mean four four one is a is a crazy scoreline to walk away with. But um, give me your thoughts on on the lineup first of all, because it, again it went back from a back five to a back four. Enzo seemed to be the only 
sort of six DM sort of player in there. There was no no one supporting him, and he had Carney Chukwemeka and Conor Gallagher ahead of him. It just seemed like a bit of a trial and error. Let's see how we get on with this formation and, and hope for the best. Yeah, it felt like Lampard had one eye on the game on on Sunday against Newcastle, or whether that be silver and Aspilicueta's final games. Maybe he wanted to to keep silver fit and ready for that one. But in terms of the lineup, you can't play a back four with Chiloba and Fafana as the two centre backs. It's a recipe for disaster. And the proof is that the pair of them look like headless chickens out there at Old Trafford last night. Um, I think a calamity of errors led to a couple of the goals, um, particularly the the Rashford one for the fourth one. Fafana, I don't know what he's doing for the giving away that penalty. He gets nutmeg and then out of frustration, he just treads on um, Fernandez's ankle. I mean, of course, being Bruno Fernandez, he made a massive meal out of it. Um, but yeah, it was a very frustrating night. We could have easily been a lot more for, for Manchester United. A couple big blocks from Azpilicueta and some decent saves from from uh, from Kepa. Um, I know we criticised Azpilicueta potentially and he, how he was on toast against um, on, against Carl Palmer. But he actually did a decent job last night, I felt, given um, the kind of role yeah. he was given at right back. He did all right. You know, he, he tracked back... Um, uh, a fair amount and he looked completely out of breath but he did what he had to do um, again though I'd like to highlight Lewis Hall fantastic um, we spoke a lot this season about not only can't we score but we're not creating enough chances and we're not putting the ball on the plate for these players but Lewis Hall fantastic his delivery last night he, I think he put he had a couple of shots on goal which is great already that's what you want to be seeing from your one of your um, fullbacks but he put on a play, I think, three times. Oh, it might have been two of the three for Mudrick, Gallagher, and then Havertz. And all three of those players just couldn't finish it. Um, so, yeah, he was great. And a couple of rival fans, whether that be from Liverpool or Arsenal, messaged me last night being like, who's this young left-back? He's fantastic. Um, so rival fans are starting now to you know appreciate him and notice how, he, how good he is. And we just left. We feel I feel like we're massive mugs for spending £62 million on a left-back when we've got this academy graduate who's good enough to be in the first team and play good enough to start games, if not play cover for, for Ben Chilwell. So, um, but yeah, frustrating night. Um, try to think about positives, positives, maybe Lewis Hall. I thought Enzo was fantastic as well. One player that seems like he's got that fight and desire. You think back of those United games back in 2008, 2009, when there was gigs, Lampard, Rooney, mm. you know, that kind of fierce rivalry and there'd be those kind of heated arguments and exchanges. And that's what you want to see at times. And Enzo got into, I think it was Fred or Fernandez's face after the penalty. I'm not into all that shit shithousery, but sometimes it's needed in these type of games and to kind of reignite that, that, um, that rivalry. And he had a kind of that fire in his belly and he was the only one. We spoke so much about lack of leaders in his team and it looked like there's no kind of, there's a bit of a disconnection between the players and the fans or the players and the club, but Enzo seems to to get it. And I think that Lampard even said that he's got that quality in him to be a, to be a Chelsea player and he knows what it means to play for Chelsea. Um, so I thought he was fantastic. Maybe another positive first goal United have conceded in, I think, 11 hours at Old Trafford. Yeah. But it came way too late in the game and just a consolation. Good finish, though, from Felix. Really good finish. Um, but yeah, just another frustrating night. You think back at Lampard's first game in charge of Chelsea in the Premier League, 4-0 at Old Trafford. And his final game, final away game in charge of Chelsea is going to be a 4-1 defeat. So not much has changed in between, let's be honest. <laughs> slight improvement, <laughs> slight progress, <laughs> baby steps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've covered the positives and, and a lot of the negatives, but I think... Yeah, there was the, the, it was just a it was a shit show of a performance. It really was. It was a poor, poor, um, poor display from from professional footballers. If I'm honest, you know, Modric had a really good chance. Uh, I think it was again, might have mm. been Lewis Hall that squares the ball to him, and 
effect for 88 million pounds you've got to do better you've got to get it on target at least and, and attempt to make the keeper make a save but um not just him you know you, you could say that you know Kai Havertz was in and out there was times where I felt like he was hiding on the pitch where he doesn't he doesn't want the ball and uh, it's just it's, it's frustrating to watch when some of the changes that we we make in, in some of the lineups that we, we put out, you know, Madweki coming in, I thought you can see what he's trying to do, but the end product isn't there with him. So it's, it's really frustrating when you've got someone who's got something about them, but just that final third, that final ball, that final attempt on goal just isn't there for him. And that's hopefully going to come over time, especially if Poch comes in and can nurture that into him. But, you know, like you said, playing Chalabar, who we have to remember is filled in, been out of the team, been in the team, played at right back, been out of the team, to put him back as centre-back partnership with Wesley Fofano was always going to win. And, and to, to not have that cover as well in front of him, just Enzo on his own in front of him. It's just, it was a recipe for a disaster. You know, I think it just was always going to end in that way where we were going to get thrashed. Like you said, it could have been more than four. It really could have. They, you know, United had their chances. Um, I, I just, yeah, I just don't, I don't know where we go from here because like you said, Aspilicueto, Thiago Silva, both over the age of 30, I think, you know, Silva's reaching nearly 40 years of age. You know, we're looking at those as our most experienced players and, and the ones that we shouldn't really be looking at anymore. You know, we should be looking at someone like Wesley Fofana, Koulibaly. Um I do have to question Frank Lampard yesterday a lot. Um, a, a very Seems a very stubborn manager who doesn't want to change, adapt. And this isn't just as, as a Chelsea manager, I'm thinking back to his time at Everton, his first stint at Chelsea. He just doesn't seem to grasp when something needs to change. And when it does change it, it's always for the wrong, like Felix was on, I think Havertz stayed on for 85 minutes. Conor Gallagher was the same as well. You know, two players that you think would maybe get subbed off a lot earlier. Um, I think Jao Felix comes on for Kai Havertz and then um, David Datcher for fun, I think takes the last eight minutes of the game. Surely at that point when, I know you're 4-0 down at the point when Felix comes on, so it's kind of pointless or 3-0 down. But you've got players on the bench. Utilise them properly. You know, we're bringing on um, players, you know, Christian Pulisic, who I didn't think was effective when he came on as well. Um, It's just, I have to question the subs that come on and the timing of them. And I've said that not just about Lampard, about Tuchel, about Potter, about, that's one of the most key things, I think, in football, reacting in the right way. And if you don't get that right, then I think at times you just, you know, you, you set yourself up for disaster. Um, I did want to pick up on a point that you mentioned actually around the um, sort of handbags between Enzo and uh, Fred. I noticed there was hardly any Chelsea players supporting Enzo um, at the time. I think Chalaba came over at one point, I think. Um, but there's, there's no one around. And as you mentioned, you know, the Rooney days and Lampard, you all go, you all go and defend each other. You're a team, you back each other. And there was none of that on the pitch. And it just shows you the contrast of where we are as a team at the moment. The fact that it's so disjointed, they're almost playing as individual individuals and not really playing as a team. So as I said at the opening of this, I can't wait for the season to end because I think we, I think we really do need it. I think we need to just press restart. I liked your tweet yesterday, the, uh, the men in black gif, if, if no one's uh, seen it, but, um, I think that is literally it. We need to restart and go again, regroup and and just blank canvas, start from the very beginning. Um, but yeah, nothing really to take from the game. 6 p.m. Sunday. That's what I'm saying. This nightmare season will be over. Yeah. 
Agreed, 100%. Um, let, let's move it on slightly. We've mentioned him a couple of times already. Um, Cesar Espilicueta, very surprised to see him start yesterday, but a lot of talk about, you know, is this his final game on Sunday at Stamford Bridge, the final farewell? You Probably at least 99% say it is. Um, you know, he wanted to leave last season. There was talk about it in the press conference earlier in the week and a question that was suggest- uh, put towards Lampard was, you know, is is there going to be farewells on Sunday? And, you know, he, he didn't really come out and say that there will be, there won't be, but I think we'll know from the reactions of some of the players, you know, maybe even, I'd assume the full squad's going to be there for final game. The injured players, the Mason Mounts and Reese James will also be there. You'll probably see from their reactions how it's going to go for them over the summer. But what's your thoughts on Aspilicueta? I mean, he's had a very, it's, it's, it's a horrible way for him to go out because obviously he's going out on probably the worst Chelsea season that he's played under. Um, but he's also got to look at the accolades and everything he's won and some of the teams, the better teams that he's played under and some of the better managers as well. So just assess probably in a very high level way of, of his, his career at Chelsea. He's won it all. He's he's won it all. And he's been our, he's <laughs> been our captain since 2017, I think, um, after kind of Gary Cahill was um, um, kind of got dropped by by uh, Maurizio Sarri. Um, but no, he's been a fantastic, uh, loyal servant to our to our club. Um, thinking back at the days where he was so versatile, I think when Mourinho first came in, he was playing left-back. We need to remember that. I think he kind of, um, Cole was dropped to the bench because Azpilicueta was so strong left-back. And there was that famous Mourinho quote that, where he said, I think, give me 11 Azpilicuetas and I'll win you in the Champions League. Um, and then he, I think he played in a back three under Conte as part of the centre-backs and he played right wing back under Thomas Tuchel. He's been fantastic and he's also been, we mentioned not having a lot of leaders, but he has been one of one of our leaders, maybe alongside Thiago Silva in the last couple of seasons. He captained us to Club World Cup glory, Champions League glory in Porto. Um, he's always seemed to understand what it means to be Chelsea. I think his kids were born here now. Um <clears throat> I've actually had the, I've met him a few times and he's always so smiley and friendly and a really nice guy when you fans get to meet him. Um, yeah, like you said, a lot of, he's been getting a kind of some, some criticism in the last um, year, but if he almost feels cruel to give him criticism in the kind of roles he's been playing in this Chelsea side, that feels like he said so disjointed. Um, I think we should judge him on everything we've seen from Aspilicueta up to maybe last summer where he had that, um, where he could have bowed out having, you know, just won the club world cup, the super cup, um, and having taken Chelsea to an FA Cup and League Cup final last last season, and no, he's been absolutely fantastic. And I listened to uh, your latest video and how, um, in my eyes, he is a legend. I definitely think he is a legend. When you've won every single trophy there is to win at at, at, um, at Chelsea, and um, you contributed to such you know extraordinary campaigns, and you play played under so many different managers and adapted to, to their systems and playing styles. But also, he stayed so professional as well. Um, there's so much yeah. things, so much that's gone wrong during the time he's at. He was at Chelsea. The, the new um, owners coming in, the the sanctions that took place last season, the kind of um, COVID period as well, where we couldn't play with fans, and he was our captain during all that those periods and that amount of time. So no, really fantastic um, and loyal servant to the club. I think it was a recent game. It might have been uh, trying to think, but. I think it was the Fulham game at home where he amassed 500 Premier League appearances or 500 appearances for Chelsea, should I say. I think any player that's ranked up 500 appearances for a club, 
means that they've, they, they're valuable to the team. They're, they're an asset. They're an extraordinary player. So um, it's going to be emotional Sunday. I said I'm looking forward to the season finishing, but I'm also not going to lie. I'm, I'm glad I've got a ticket to Sunday to kind of give uh, Aspilicueta, should it be his final game, the appropriate farewell he deserves. Yeah, it's a sad, I mean, it's a sad. It's going to be a sad day. I think you know um, someone who's almost ingrained into the into the club and and part of a lot of the history at the club as well in terms of trophies and you know memorable performances. But um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's the right thing to do, you know. And I don't, I, I wouldn't want to see him go out almost as a, a Branislav Ivanovic did and. Um, you know, we, we forget how really good of a player Ivanovic was for us as well. And I, I want, I want, I want um, Aspilicueta to go out with that same level of respect that I think he deserves from all Chelsea fans, you know, or footballing fans across the world. Um, very good um, player, and and in a way, I mean, with the news that Reese James, who is was in line to start on Sunday, is now injured, it does and. We know Malagusto hasn't got the best of injury records so far. I think he's injured currently at the moment as well. So there is going to be a gap at that at that point in, in the right back position. You know, we criticise Aspilicueta. I've done it myself many times on here and said that you know his legs are gone. That's a that's a fact, not a, a criticism, I suppose. But um, it's going to be difficult to fill that void because he does come in. We we got to see it last night as well. He comes in and he does still put a shift in whether his legs are there, his heart's in the right place, his legs might not be, but he always tries to put in a really good shift and, um, you know, he always puts in a really good performance in, in my opinion. So he'll be a massive loss and I'm, I'm sure, um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm sure he, if he does start on Sunday, I'm sure he'll get the, the, the best reception he can at Stamford Bridge. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think there's a banner that's being displayed for him, I think, in the shadow of Matthew Harding, and that's very fitting for the kind of um, situation um, on Sunday. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that. And it's going to be, like I said, an emotional day. I'm sure there'll be some nice tribute videos and posts um, kind of going around social media in the coming days as well. 100%. Let's, let's keep it on defenders because I know someone that got up on the wrong side of you yesterday was <laughs> Levi Cowell. Uh, not just you, not just you, not on your own there. Um, obviously, we're losing 4-1. He's out with, I don't know if it's an end of season party or if it's just him and Billy Gilmore together because it's a Thursday night and they just want to go out and have a little bit of a session. But Levi Cowell, for anyone who hasn't seen the pictures, as, as was was I can't even say he was caught out. He was out, he was tweeting the pictures himself of him and Billy Gilmore out enjoying what seemed to be a... a end of season party or something but um question for you is was it the wrong time was it was it ill-timed um in terms of obviously not he's still contracted as a Chelsea player is he still a Chelsea player albeit on loan at Brighton and also the fact that we were playing we were getting hammered 4-1 as well at the time when the, the pictures were coming out was it just ill-timed is it is it being blown out of proportion a little bit I'm still very on the fence on this one obviously he's very aware of the result that's happened with Chelsea like you said he's still under contract um with Chelsea Football Club Chelsea are his parent club and the fact he posted it with Billy Gilmore, who's the next Chelsea player, and probably didn't get the game time and um, recognition he deserved while whilst at Chelsea um, Football Club almost feels a bit like a, it was a middle finger to Chelsea, in my opinion. And you could see there were a couple of drinks in the background, so they clearly had a few drinks. Maybe they didn't really think about what they were posting and they were responding to a, a user who asked them, how's your evening going? And he just put brilliant with a couple of exclamation marks and a picture of him and Billy Gilmore. Um, together with big smiles on their faces. So it feels like the timing was very inappropriate. Um, and he should know better as well. I think any kind of professional footballer shouldn't really be posting something like that, especially when you're on a night out, your your blood is infused with alcohol. It just doesn't really kind of 
sit well with the the fan base and i read all the response from responses from the chelsea fans kind of saying like you know what are you doing like you're mocking us you're um you, we don't even want you to come back anymore which i still think is stupid i'd love him to come back because he's a fantastic player but it kind of goes to show that kind of immature side that these maybe young we forget that these these footballers are still very young and there's still so much you need to learn about the professional game but also just conducting yourself as a professional athlete on and off the pitch as well yeah i'm i'm very much on the fence but more to the side of he was just letting no pun intended because I don't have any hair, but he's just laying his hair down. Um, I, I do think that he's had a very good, like long season and I think it was, I think it was all time to 100%. I think he could have probably not posted the picture um, or posted it the day after or posted at the end of the season when the season's over. I think that is, and, and without adding this in as well, obviously there was the, the interview that he did with The Athletic where he, he had to be reminded that he still is actually a Chelsea player, not a Brighton player. So it, it tells me that he's putting feelers out there. You know, he loves Brighton, apparently, in terms of the season he's had. Obviously, Billy Gilmore's there, who he would have played within the development squad at Chelsea as well. So I, I don't know. I think I get the frustration from Chelsea fans, and rightfully so, but I do think he's just probably out just enjoying himself. And I, I think the wrong thing he's done is pull it on, on the internet, because when you put something on the internet, you open that door for comments, abuse and all the rest of it. And like you said, you know, players, uh, fans saying we don't want you at the club. You're not even that good of a player. And just things like that. It just opens that door. Um, very ill-timed, very, very silly um, to, to, to do that. Especially, I mean, yeah, the season isn't even over yet. I mean, we've still got another game on Sunday. So as you said, you know, to be, to be drinking a couple of days before the final game, I know that they, again, they've, you know, they've got European football. So for them, Sunday is probably a day where the manager's probably said, look, you're probably not going to be starting on Sunday, but you would expect him to be if he's playing his last game for his loan club. So it, it's 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 a really difficult one to kind of judge, I think. But at the same time as well, I can see both sides. You know, I can see why fans are annoyed. I can see what's got their backs up. But at the same time as well, I just think, it's, like you said, he's young. You know, we forget how young these players are how much money <laughs> they have accessible to them as well so you know they've probably been very strict all season and they couldn't just wait one more game to, to finally go out and have a couple it looked like a couple of cocktails it wasn't even like a decent drink it was like a it's like a mojito or something he was drinking but um yeah you know it, it is what it is I think you know hopefully it doesn't overspill into something bigger than it needs to be and you know we can hopefully put it under say under the bed that's not the right saying is it under, Brush the, it under the carpet yeah you kind Brush of you would hope that when he reports back to Cobham 1st of July um we yeah. could just brush this under the carpet tell, tells between yeah. his legs. <laughs> we can just move on really um because I still think he's a fantastic player and especially we spoke about Aspilicueta and Silva they, they don't really we can't really see them be at Chelsea for more than a year now um he's going to be that one that he needs to fill in and also kind of maybe man up and kind of accept a bit of a leadership role at the club as well being an English talent so um so yeah hopefully we can just brush this under the carpet and move on now yeah fingers crossed we keep him as well but to move on to Todd Bowley who to uh, not today this week announced that he's planning on stepping back from some of the duties that he's been dealing with or he's been responsible for at the club at Chelsea um now that the structure seems to be in place underneath him he's, he's able to step back and take a more quieter role next season 
seems like it's a bit too late in the day for him to do that, in my opinion. I think that should have happened a lot earlier. But what's your thoughts on Todd Bowley announcing or coming out and saying that he's looking to to go and do other ventures elsewhere away from Chelsea? I think it's about time. Like you said, it may be a bit too late. He's tried it for a season. It clearly hasn't worked out. He's tried to get way too involved and it hasn't worked out either. I think um, he's allocated 50% of his time to Chelsea Football Club and that's dropping down to 20% as of next season. If only he could drop down to 5% and he's the only one, he's the only guy who just pumps up money. Um, You you didn't really feel like Abramovich was as involved as he was. Um, But yeah, I think um, the less of Bowley we see around Cobham, Stamford Bridge next season, maybe the better, you'd hope. And there's all these kind of stories about him storming into the dressing rooms at halftime, Cobham being very involved um, alongside the manager um, during training sessions. And it just feels like maybe it's a bit of added pressure to the players, the manager. I know that I've heard from different sources that he was making slightly uh, more inexperienced and young players feel a bit out of place and intimidated at times with these kind of big, big um, ranting sessions. So, um, so yeah, um, if you can focus on some other ventures and leave more time to what I'm going to say are the professionals, the people that actually know how to how football works, um, then that would be the idea for next season. And we may see even a bit of a, a difference on our performances on the pitch as well. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I think I read something very similar, maybe the same article about some of the players not feeling comfortable during training sessions because, you know, you've got Todd Bowley stood right on the, the, the touchlines, you know, watching you, which again, he's, he's well within his rights to do. But I think you've got coaches there to do that. You've got analysts there to do that. You've got the manager there to do that. So I think there's a lot of people there already doing the job that Todd Bowley didn't necessarily need to be doing. Again, coming into the dressing room and, and addressing the players at half time, like, it's not going to help morale. It's not going to help the, the team going forward. And I, I would assume very, very much so that Todd, um, that great, I'm getting muddled up today. Maurizio Potter. Um, so I'm sure uh, Maurizio Potticino is probably one of those players, uh, managers that would not want Todd Bowley coming into the dressing room, disrupting things in training sessions. Um, you know, speaking to, uh, a director from another football club recently. And he said very much the same, you know, he said, I couldn't believe when I read and I heard that, you know, Todd Bowley is going into the dressing room and this is a, in the football league, he's a director in the football league. And he was saying that I can't believe that's even happening. So for it to not be happening down that level, you'd be, I'm so surprised it's happening at the top level. You've got more resources, you've got money to bring people into, to do that for you. It just didn't, maybe that's why Graham Potter didn't have the best times that, at Chelsea because you know he, he didn't it's definitely why Thomas Tuchel I think fell out with him and oh, I yeah, think it was yeah. the West Ham game where Bowley came in at half time with his kind of kids or cousins and all this wanting them to meet the players with Mud- was that with Mudrick? Uh, I think it was did he not take, take Mudrick? He might have done well, that as well but um, I think back yeah. in the Tuchel days there was a game he brought like his his little nephew into the dressing room to meet the players at half time and Tuchel I don't know if he politely but told him to leave um, I don't think that, yeah, it was definitely not polite <laughs> and I think a yeah. week later Thomas Tuchel was gone so um, yeah. so yeah I think um, Bowley clearly maybe now he's realising that he can't be involved at this level anymore and I'm currently watching Ted Lasso um, and it just feels a very Ted Lasso type of thing to do <laughs> having that kind of American culture of just waltzing around the training ground or the dressing rooms whenever you want going in and out of team meetings kind of making these type of comments or whatever um, and that's not what Premier League football is about at all. So, um, yeah, he needs to definitely take that step back. And if you can drop it down from 20% to 5%, that would be even better. 
2.5 and we'll be all happy but I think it's a valuable point to be made I think you know Potichino coming in hopefully will address some of those as well he's obviously got his own coaching staff that he wants to bring in his own backroom staff and you know I think he's going to be a lot more you know he'll have a lot more resistance for things like that happening at the club whilst he's there so I I don't see that happening when Potichino's in charge if he's in charge Um, but yeah any any sort of it should be it should be the way anyway. You look at other clubs, you know, you don't see other owners or anyone else walking in at half time or being caught on film, you know, talking about Chelsea in the way that he he does. You know, sometimes he'll he'll talk to a fan of all I think he, there was a moment when we played the second leg against the Real Madrid and one of the paparazzi asked him, he just sort of said, Yeah, we're gonna win three one or four one and it's just 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 walk off and go into go into the car and just don't say anything because again, that's added pressure on the players as well, as much as people don't think it is. But if the players think, you know, Jesus, that the, the owner wants us to go out and win 4-1 against Real Madrid, it's just added pressure. So whether it's flippant or not, a flippant comment, then it, it's still out there in the world for people to interpret how they need to interpret it. But yeah, any reduction in involvement from Todd Bowley is a good thing, in my opinion. Definitely, yeah. Um, but we have to remember, Brownfish, I don't think he ever did a single interview during his time at as owner exactly. of Chelsea Football Club and there's been a, more than a few since Todd Burley's taken charge even on these American talk shows or kind of these panel shows um, it just feels like yeah. he's willing to shout Basketball way too much or, as well. yeah so definitely 2, 2.5% this time next next uh, next year would be ideal yeah I think the only time Roman Abramovich ever really addressed anything was when Frank Lampard was sacked I think he that was the only sort of open letter yeah. that I think he 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 did I don't think he ever did anything before that that I can remember I think it was when Lampard got sacked there was that young Chelsea fan I think who was quite ill and I think um, John Terry took him around the mega store let him buy whatever he wants he was invited to a Chelsea game and it was quite funny because at full time the, the fan saw Abramovich and said can I ask you a question and Abramovich looked a bit shocked and he agreed to it and I think he asked him kind of best memory of being owner of Chelsea Football Club and that was the first time I think I heard Abramovich speak English because you don't really <laughs> hear him kind of yeah, yeah, address yeah. the fans or the kind of the press or anyone really um, so it felt a very kind of you know, he seems he's also he was a very shy owner as well um, yeah, just yeah, his body yeah. language and his demeanour it's not a bad thing at all whereas Todd Bowley's the polar yeah, opposite yeah. of that <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be known he wants you to know that he owns Chelsea and he's got involvement in it which is a very bad thing um, let, let's move to Sunday before we uh, we got ourselves in trouble with Top <laughs> Um let's move to Sunday uh, Newcastle I'm not going to say it it is a nothing game it is not a must win we are not going to win this game but um, g- g- give me I, I, I mean there's not really much to talk about in terms of the game itself I think the, the game kind of will play out how it plays out um, but in terms of the lineup and, and looking back to the, the two games in Manchester recently, for me personally, the, the lineup, the predicted lineup I had out for yesterday's game is actually the lineup I think I would go with tomorrow, bar maybe Aspilicueta coming in for uh, Trevor Chalaba. Hmm. Uh, I think I would I would give Aspi, or maybe I'd bring Aspi on actually, and, and I wouldn't start him, and I'd, I'd sub him on so he can finish the game. Um, but what, what's your thoughts? What, what would your lineup be going into that final game on Sunday? Yeah, I think um, if Koulibaly's was fit enough to be on the bench for, I think, our last two fixtures, then he's fit enough to start, in my opinion. And that gives us an extra yeah. kind of uh, body in, in defence or centre-back. So I could potentially go over back three of Silva, Koulibaly, Aspilicueta with Loftus-Cheek at right wing back, potentially Hall at left wing back. 
Um, that could be an option. I think Enzo has got to start it. I don't know what it is, maybe 16th game in a row since he's joined Chelsea. Um, potentially alongside a... Trying to think, maybe a Carney or Gallagher again, if Loftus cheek is out um, right wing back. Uh, I think Jao Felix has got to start this one. He's looked good. I didn't really go into too much detail about it, but I'm not the biggest fan of Mudrick in the six months I've seen him play so far. Um, he hasn't really shown me enough to warrant why we paid, I think, 70-odd million for him. Um, if Sterling's fit, maybe it's another game for him to come back to uh, with... Um, trying to think now Madweke or whoever else can play on the other side yeah. or if it's Ziyech or Pulisic's final game as well uh, maybe Lampard will want to give them yeah. a start um, but yeah there isn't really much to preview of this game like you said it's just one of those ones you're just going to count down the seconds and the minutes until it's over so um, we could put this season behind us um, but definitely an opportunity to keep giving Lewis Horse some minutes and there's a couple of players we mentioned that could potentially be on their way out in the summer as well yeah, I just completely forgot about Sterling uh, with the hamstring injury. So yeah, I think I'd bring in Jao Felix for, for Sterling. I keep Medwecki. I'd start with David Datra for fun up front. I think Kai Havertz just hasn't, doesn't, won't, will not show us anything going forward. So I think we've got to change something there. Um, and like I keep saying, you know, we need to see whether Fafana needs to stay at the club next season or if he does need that loan. I don't think we can just send him on loan for the sake of it. You know, Amanda Amanda Brewer is going to take a long time to get back to the level that we need him to, even during preseason. Obviously, Aubameyang is leaving. So, and if we don't bring in another striker, which is is an option, um, we need to have someone who we, we we feel comfortable with playing down the middle. So, I think Fafana, when he comes on, he's give us a spark of something. So, I'd start with him. I agree with you about Enzo. Um, unfortunately, we'll have to start another game. You know, he's the only reliable person we've got in midfield. I would, I would start with Aspie. I think I'd start with him, um, and and I'd put Ruben Loftus Cheek alongside uh, Enzo Fernandez in midfield. I think he needs that protection. Otherwise, we're just going to get opened up like yesterday. Um, I'd stick with Carney Chukwemeka, who I thought was, as, as we've both said, played really well against Manchester United and Lewis Hall left back. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what else to say yeah. about the game. I'm really, I'm. It's not many times I don't know what to say about football, but that this is one of them where I just don't know what to expect from it. If we win, what does it mean? You know, it's, it's, it's a result for Lampard, I suppose, and a, a nice way to sign out the season. But um, yeah, maybe maybe throw some of the youth on. You know, Alfred Gilchrist, I think, was on the bench yesterday. Maybe bring him on, give him an option, uh, give him some time. But. Yeah, it's, 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 it is really a nothing game. It really is. Yeah, I would have said throw some youth in, but I think a lot of our youth players are already representing England at the under-20s um, uh, yeah. World Cup. I think uh, Harvey Vale was there. Um, Shaman Lowe, I think, might be Shea there Humphreys too. as well. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a nothing game. Um, as long as we don't get embarrassed and maybe if we can snatch a point, that would be ideal. Um but yeah, very good Newcastle team as well. So it could be quite embarrassing. It might be a question of how many um, Miguel Almiron, Callum Wilson and Isaac score combined <laughs> together. Um, so as long as it's not a kind of a shit show performance like we saw at Old Trafford, where we just give these, um, these teams chances and opportunities to score, then that'll be ideal. But if Silva slots back into centre-back, you'd hope that kind of wouldn't be the case just to have that kind of stability and leadership that we need in, in defence. Um, but yeah, 19 more minutes of... 2022-23 Premiership football to go um, then it's all over all all over yeah definitely literally as we've just been recording obviously 
Frank Lampard's held his press conference and, and has confirmed that Reese James won't won't be playing on Sunday. So it, it will be makeshift right back or Aspilicueta um, playing. So um, yeah, he's not been able to recover from the injury for the hamstring. Um, Mason Mao is also unlikely to feature against Newcastle United. So there you have it. Um, I'm not even going to give you guys a score prediction because why bother? <laughs> have we gone a one right this <laughs> why season? Bother? I don't think I have. No. no. No, I haven't. I think I might have got one early on in the season when Potter was here, but it, it, yeah, I mean, this season has been a it's been a, a write off, hasn't it? So um, no, no score predictions because <laughs> let's be honest, it could be seven nil by half time if we're not careful. So, um, but please make sure you subscribe to the channel. Please make sure you go and leave your leave your predictions in the comments by all by all means. Um, let us know your predicted lineups as well. Make sure you uh, hit the link tree link as well. Social accounts will be available all there, all our previous episodes as well. Theo, one more episode to go until the season is over. And then we can start talking about some of the fun stuff. Like, you know, we got a lot to cover in the summer, so I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be able to uh, make a good list of things to record and talk about during the uh, the preseason or before preseason as well. But episode 95 from The Shed End, thank you very much for watching. Or if you're on audio, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.